It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. morning arrives and with it the weekend a mother's day weekend what could be a pretty rainy weekend we'll hope for the best good morning everybody welcome to light the tower on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com my name is craig way thanks so much for joining us do appreciate that Jeff Howe out today, and he'll be out Monday as well. Today, Jeff has, and haven't all of us been there who've had small children. This will not apply to our producer, Cameron Parker, who does not have small children, at least not yet, or at least not that we know of. And uh, today is the day that Jeff is attending the end-of-school program and presentation Starring, or at least featuring, his five-year-old daughter, Aww. Charlotte. Yeah, hadn't we all been there? Uh, had those? I've had, I've, I have a four kids of my own. Went through those uh, kindergarten and first grade uh, end of school plays, or in uh, pageants and all that other kind of stuff. So I remember when I was in first grade, uh, they had our our end of the year deal. They had it broken up by. Uh, months and you had four kids there I think there were you know uh kids for every every month uh two or three and then there were four in my group for July we were supposed to be the fourth of July and march in with an American flag and I was in the front and they had it had it all set up we went through all the rehearsals I was the flag bearer and all this kind of stuff and then at the last minute things got crazy right before and a teacher just grabbed and Gave the flag to somebody else and put me at the back of the line of the four. I was bummed. Went through that. So, anyway, we 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 remember those well. And uh, our producer is Cameron Parker. So you're, uh, you know, you're pumped up for the weekend, boy. You had a dazzling start to the weekend last night, did you not? Yeah, three and a half hours of baseball last night. <laughs> How? All right. So a little tired. But. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, first of all, let me let me tell folks exactly what's going to happen with the program today. Uh, I'm with you the first hour of the program, and then I have to beat a hasty retreat over to UFCU Dishfalk Field to prepare for a doubleheader today. And there's technical things that have to be set up, and my uh, meeting with um, uh, with the coaches and with David Pierce before the game. So all of that is uh, is coming up, and, and so I have to scramble over there to get ready for that. And so I'll be here the first hour of the program. Bottom of the hour, uh, we'll have Ryan Murphy, Texas women's golf coach. They have, uh, and that's our Longhorn notebook for this hour, they qualified for the NCAA National Tournament again. So uh, congratulations to them, and we'll get uh, Murph's thoughts on that. We do have, we do have Inconceivable. And on Friday, what does that mean, Cam? What do we have? Reaching for that low-hanging fruit. Yep, from the most flaccid of the 48 states, and that would be uh, Florida. We have we have a Florida man and a Florida creature story mm. as, as, part of, 
as part of that, uh, of uh, inconceivable on Friday. Um, but uh, in the second hour of the program, it's going to be featuring none other than Cameron Parker and what and Chad Hastings is stepping in with you. Is that the deal? That's correct. Okay. All right. So are you going to have like a little bit of extended Flex 30 updates? I want you to tell a little bit while I'm here about your ball game, but there were a variety of games that went to walk-offs involving area schools last night, and I'll let you save that for the Flex update coming up in the next hour with some detail on that. But your game at Concordia last night, right? Yes, sir. How was the whole experience? It was an incredible game. I mean, usually when you get three and a half hours of baseball, it usually involves you know a lot of batters who are walked, some guys who are hit, a lot of pitching changes, some ugly baseball. This was not the case. This was a game between two of the top ten teams in the state. And I said in the open of the broadcast, Craig, I mean, it's, it's a game that you thought would be played in June. Right. At, at Dish Falk Field and or at Del, Del Diamond. Diamond. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not in the area round. And those two guys, those two teams battled out through 11 innings, Round Rock winning 8-7 to seven on a walk-off. They were down 2 nothing earlier to Reagan, who's ranked 10th in the state. They score six runs in the fifth inning. Looks like they're going to go up and win game one, 6-2. And then Reagan comes storming back in the seventh. They Three-run homer by Brendan Greer ties it up at six apiece. And then some outstanding pitching out of the bullpen from Cade Weibel and Round Rock and Cody Petrowski from Reagan. They went about three or four innings. It was basically three different ball games last night, Craig. And finally in, this, in the 11th inning, you could kind of see the fake tee. Neither manager wanted to burn more than another pitcher out of the bullpen. Reagan got one run up in the seventh. And then Round Rock came back and answered with two runs. Uh, ran Andrew Wartha bringing home the game-winning run off a of fielder's choice, and, and Round Rock takes, I think, probably a must-win game one after losing, after burning Travis Sakura and Katie Weibel, who both pitched outstanding last night. But Dragons, uh, a big victory. And, yeah, I mean, yesterday, just a, a little sneak preview of, of, you know, what's to come, I think, in Texas baseball, Craig. I mean, you mentioned the four walk-off games, and I'm sure we'll get to those later. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just game one of the area round. So, exciting baseball That's really cool. Around. And that is really cool. That, that That's game one of those best of threes. And as we know, not all playoff matchups are best of threes. Yeah. Some are single games. Uh, but and, and there was a time back, quote unquote, back in the day, there was a tie that uh, where there was a time where if you if the two coaches did not agree on whether it was best of three or a single game, under UIL rules, it automatically reverted to a single game. Now it's flipped the other way around, and and but in most cases they do they do agree on it whether it's a single game or a best of three. And and I had a lot of people ask me, so why would they agree if you got one stud pitcher like Travis Sikor, by the way, <laughs> if you have one, you might you might be good enough to 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 rest on it and go single game. Yeah, but Round Rock is such a balanced team and has good pitching other than Sakura. Yeah, with their bullpen uh, and Coach Carter, he doesn't want to play one game. He wants to go three, best of three, because he knows his bullpen can outlast a lot of other teams. I think Brandeis and Westlake, the Brandeis coach, wanted to do a one-game series, and he lost a flip for it, and, and Westlake won the flip, so they did best of three, and they went on a walk-off last night in 12 innings. So, I mean, imagine if that was just a one-game series, 4-4 four, four going in the extra innings. Uh-oh, number three team in state in danger, but – Wexley came out. Nathan Duval, I think he pitched seven innings, got the win, had a couple of big hits in that game. So a huge win for the Shaps last night. And 
I mean, <laughs> both both that region, Region 4, Westlake and Brandeis go in extras, and then they're going to play the winner of Round Rock and Reagan, who went extras. So it's kind of fitting that both of those games went to extra innings. So hopefully in the case for Game 2, I think I speak for everyone involved, it's much shorter games considering we'll be in San Antonio today. Yeah. I forget where Westlake's going to be playing. I know they're not going to be at home until tomorrow if there is a Game 3, but maybe just seven innings is fine, Craig. I'm okay, okay. with that. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, you know, as 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 we say of Region 4, the World Cup soccer parlance, the group of death, or yeah. the region of death, that that sort of thing. Um, and you'll have a seven-inning game today as well, right? No, no. They'll, two, they'll be both they'll, nine? two nines. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> unless weather interferes. Uh, so the Longhorns do have, in fact, we're going to hear from Dylan Campbell and uh, from David Pierce coming up here uh, momentarily. But um, the, uh, the, the series with San Jose State has been shifted to a doubleheader because, quite frankly, the coaches got together, uh, they consulted with area meteorologists. I'll leave it at that. And decided that probably the best chance to have the least amount of rain is today. So they made the decision yesterday, and and at UT athletic officials uh, and and uh, and the coaches all kind of agreed on all this. There was a lot of conversation uh, all the way around, and just kind of came to the conclusion that the best chance to play the most baseball would be today. That's why there's a doubleheader today. First game will be at 2 o'clock, and the second game will be at 6.30, the regularly scheduled time. So the 2 o'clock game can be heard on AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. That, that's the first game. You can hear that on AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. The second game, the regularly scheduled contest, will be heard on the horn here on 104.9 FM at 6.30, 6.15 airtime. So uh, it'll be your standard pregame and the, and the uh, broadcast for it. Uh, Roger Wallace will join me for both of those contests. So it is a 6.15 airtime, 6.30 first pitch on the horn 104.9 tonight for the regularly scheduled contest. The earlier game today is going to be at 2 o'clock. And again, you can... Uh, Catch that on uh, uh, you can uh, catch that contest on one hundred one nine and AM twelve sixty. Now, uh, the uh, just to give you a couple more details on that for ticketing and parking information on that, the game tickets for anybody holding tickets for tomorrow's game, those are redeemable for today's two o'clock game. The regular Friday night tickets are redeemable for the regularly scheduled Friday night game at 6.30. So if you were holding tickets for Saturday's game, those are good and uh, for the first game today. And game tickets for game three, which was originally scheduled for Sunday and may yet wind up being Sunday. We don't know yet on that. The, the Sunday game tickets will be redeemable for game three. Same thing with the parking. They'll be redeemable for Game 3 whenever that is played. And the reason why I say whenever is because we don't know. That depends on what the forecast looks like. If, if, if I'm guessing, if I'm just guessing, I would say they're going to try to play it tomorrow if they can. And there might be a, a window in the midday starting from late morning on in throughout the afternoon where you might be, they might be able to get that game in. 
that would be my guess, but that's just me. That's just guessing. I could be wrong. It could wind up being Sunday. So whenever that is played, either tomorrow and or, and the reason why I say and or is the possibility it could start a game and then have rain suspend it and finish it on Sunday. That's possible. But if you're holding a ticket for game three, the originally Sunday scheduled game, that will be whenever game three of this series is played, be it tomorrow or Sunday, uh, whenever that would be. And if you're holding a ticket for the Saturday game, that's good for game one today. If you're holding a ticket for tonight's regularly scheduled game, you use it at that time, 6.30. So that's just to to let you know a little bit about that. Um, before I get to some of the sound from uh, uh, Dylan Campbell and, and also from David Pierce, uh, somebody asked, will the 2 o'clock game be on LHN? I don't know the answer to that, but I would guess it probably would be. It would kind of make sense. Uh, and, uh, again, when in doubt, ask a radio guy about television schedules, right? <laughs> we joke about that a lot. I don't know. I, I would assume – that it's going to be that that's going to be the case, but I, I don't know. Uh, to the high school playoffs, Sinton and Cal Allen went extra innings last night with Sinton walking it off down in South Texas. Adrian Allen is his ball club where Ryland Galvin was playing last year. Uh, so uh, Pirates beating the Cal Allen Wildcats last night. And Ice Cream Maine says, as a parent, you have to go to those, those end of – School year, and then this also, by the way, goes for the holiday, the Christmas or holiday program. And you might have a Thanksgiving, you might have an Easter weekend. You got those programs, and as a parent, you have to go to those. <laughs> as a parent, this is a quote: "As a parent, you have to go to those." But man, are they a kick in the crotch! I despise it every year. Now that is good parenting. <laughs> Listen, Augie Garrido used to say, they don't pay me the money they pay me for when we're 34 and 10 and blasting people on that. They pay me when we, they're paying me for when we lost four in a row and we've got to get it flipped, yeah. turned. And David Pierce agrees with that. And every coach I've ever said, you, that's when you're earning your money. That's when you're earning your, well, as a parent, that's when you're earning your stripes as a parent. When you're at that End of school year program. It's not when they cuddle up next to you when you're sitting on the couch watching a ball game and you just want to watch it. That's a really cool moment. But you earn your stripes as a parent when you're going to that school program. I thought about this. Uh, I have two daughters, great, great kids. I've got I've got two sons, two are great. But but in this specific instance, talking about my daughters, they were in dance. As little as little girls and on through teenagers and all that other kind of stuff, and and my late wife, uh, God rest her soul, was just was tremendous in that she organized all the stuff that they had to be involved in with dance. But I was expected, whenever possible, to be at a dance competition or a a, a um, or a, or a show, a spring show or Recitals. Christmas show, yeah. And and I made the vast majority of them. If 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 work wasn't interrupting, if I wasn't out of town or whatever, then I would be at those things. But there were some competitions you'd go over. I can remember one going over to Leander one time, and they were in that. And it's just you walk in there, and it's just a beating because it's just endless going on. Music is on, and then and then somebody dances, and then the next one comes on, and blah, blah. so. Um, 
my wife was pretty good at texting me when it was like getting close. If I was at the house, uh, she knew I didn't mind watching. I liked watching my daughters perform. It was all the other performances Deeply, yeah. that I felt that I was, yeah, you know, that I, that was, you know, time out of my life that I wasn't going to get back in my busy schedule. So we would time it out. So I would zip up there, see their performance, and then leave afterwards a lot of times. But that's when you earn your stripes as a parent. When you are doing things for your kids that you just would go, oh, that's when you do that, that, there, that sort of thing. There's a lot earning those stripes this week, Craig, because there's some college graduations around the state, and there's also some softball, baseball games across the state. There no are playoffs, doubt. So there's a lot of parents, I think, who will be going back and forth, driving around Texas, trying to see their kids' graduation and trying to see their kids play some playoff softball, baseball. Yeah, absolutely. No no doubt about it. And, and you just try to – Oh, and somebody you would have to do that. And it's somebody, somebody just uh, texted in. That was from the spring show. This is going to be ten years ago, twenty thirteen. Uh, Look at a, that. That's a photo of me and my daughter uh, Julianne when she was uh, captain of the Star Steppers, and it was Julianne's actual uh, post that said Craig has the moves. And no, it was yeah, that was. Not one of the uh, one, not one of my uh, prouder moments, but but as a parent, it is that you're, we have video you're proud of, of your daughter. Oh, it's out there. I mean, I, I did this three times: once with Haley, okay. the oldest daughter, and then twice with Julianne. I think it was. So yeah, I'm sure CB has it. He can he can probably oh, DM. Oh yeah, yeah, it's out there. You can find it if you want to find it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, somebody pointed out this this is pretty cool. I heard about this the other day. Uh, uh, Ivan Melendez hit his first uh, home run in the minors, high A ball, 475-footer for the Hillsboro Hops. That's not Hillsboro, Texas. That's Hillsboro, Oregon, yep. uh, up in the greater Portland area, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's 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 good. Um, so uh, <laughs> somebody said, if you're ever diagnosed with a short term terminal illness arranged to go to a sixth grade band and choral concert those two hours will seem like a lifetime uh, there you go uh little, little spoiler alert somebody said those taylor ducks boys i told you hey the details are coming in the second hour those details are coming uh from cam because it's part of the walk-off parade from last night uh, here's something. Day Drinker seventy seven texted said, "You know, and talking about all those pageants and competitions and contests, Yeti cups help in those situations. Mix you a stiff one and go with it. <laughs> I suppose you don't want to take alcohol on the school property if you're doing that. But uh, and Bizarro Dale Dudley says, "Amen to that." See, I had a small survey company working on pipelines in West Texas and had two stepdaughters who played club volleyball. Many sleepless nights, driving six to eight hours one way, then getting back to work before seven a.m. Hey, God love you. You know, bless your heart. Uh, Ty Arrington has daughters involved in uh, sports right now. That volleyball and softball, and so he's. He's wrapped up in that, and he's he's doing a lot of zigzagging across the state. Ty will join me whenever game three of that series is tomorrow or Sunday or whatever. Uh, Roger Wallace will be with me today. Before we get to the break, uh, I did want to uh, get to a little bit of sound, uh, setting the scene for this Longhorn doubleheader that will take place today. Uh, one of those, of course, involves uh, the guy with the 27-game hitting streak, and that's Dylan Campbell. And – 
you're going to hear it in his voice, but really and truly, this uh, is is uh, Dylan Campbell. This is DC at at in his normal mode. He's a just a just a really friendly, likable, laid back dude who has a lot of fun with it and doesn't really think overthink things. Like, for example, a 27 game hitting streak. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Not really. Um, it's kind of doesn't really feel real um, at times. Like I kind of don't understand how big of a deal it is. Like I kind of got people in my family like texting me like, "Do you know how cool this is?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, I don't really understand it yet." But I mean, maybe like maybe after the season's over, when I get a chance to like kind of get out of the flow of things, and I'll maybe like realize how cool it is. Yeah, uh, it, 27 games and counting, school record hitting streak. And David Pierce was talking about it, and uh, he he likes the approach. That Campbell has had to it, the way his teammates have rallied, but the whole aura that has surrounded the business-like approach that Campbell has had going after this. I just think it's just a tribute to his approach and how he goes about his work every day. And it's pretty special for me to have Ivan break the record last year as a home run leader and then have D.C. do this this year and hopefully he can just keep going. But really good. And I, I really appreciate the way our, our – our players in the dugout reacted because it was low key the whole time, and then he gets it and everybody reacted and uh, the, the KU pitcher threw the ball back, which I thought showed some class, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, and and uh, the other thing that uh, Coach Pierce was talking about yesterday, you have three non-conference games left if they get all three of them in. Doubleheader today against San Jose State, one tomorrow. Um, San Jose State uh, enters the weekend with an RPI of 130. That's not a damaging RPI to play that team unless you lose to them. If you win, you can help yourself a little bit, maybe not a lot, but a little bit. Lose to them, and it certainly is damaging. But the Longhorns also know they need to stack a few more wins in terms of what – not that they won't be in an NCAA region. I think they're pretty safely in on that. But you don't want to get into a tailspin before the Big 12 tournament. And, yes, there is still the outside shot at hosting a regional. But in order to do that, you've got to get some wins. So that question was put to Coach Pierce about what do they have to do from here going forward. I think we have to play. We have to play day-to-day and not get too caught up into that. But uh, like I told him going into the UTA game, I think it's a critical week because you've got two teams that are both good enough to beat you if you don't show up. Uh, one's at a 94 RPI. This one coming in is San Jose State's of 130, and they're good enough to beat you for sure. And so you got to play and then position ourselves to be healthy and ready to go against West Virginia. But uh, in the big picture, I think we have to uh, play well, potentially win the series against West Virginia, uh, maybe not win the series, but of course the goal is to win the series. And then from there, might depend on what we need to do in the tournament. So uh, there it is. Uh, you know, that's got to play. Play games, win games. That's that's how it is. And so they'll play two today. Uh, two o'clock is uh, game one, uh, and game two will be at 6.30. Somebody said, does that mean 27 games? Talking about Dylan Campbell's hitting streak. Getting on base or just putting in the play? Neither. It's a 27-game hitting streak. In other words, he got a base hit. It's a 27-game hitting streak. I don't know that there's any sort of streak of 
putting it into play. I don't know about that. Uh, reaching base safely, 33 in a row for Campbell. Uh, Porter Brown just had a, the team high reaching base safely streak of 36 games ended last Sunday in Lawrence. So he has started a new one now, one game uh, for Porter. It's 33 in a row and counting for Dylan Campbell of reaching base safely. But I don't know of any streaks about putting it into play. Base hit, yes, a 27-game hitting streak, meaning he has reached base by getting a base hit 27 times, like Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak, uh, that sort of thing. That's that's what the 27-game hitting streak is is all about. Uh, Longhorn Bear asked, he said, uh, why is Melinda still an A-ball? Thought he'd be at least being double-A. Now, remember last year, he started off in low A-ball, and he was injured. And really had to fight through. And so now he has started the rise up to single A. Give him a little time. He just he just got healthy again. And uh, now he's at uh, high A ball there in uh, Hillsboro. And uh, and and one more example is somebody said, friends from Mertzen, says Nick in San, San Angelo. And Mertzen is west of San Angelo out there in the Concho Valley. Friends from Mertzen are driving all the way to Austin tomorrow morning for a select baseball tournament with absolute certainty it's going to rain out. But that's what we do as parents. You're right about that. And there might be a little window where they can play tomorrow. So you want to make sure you're there if you are a parent, for sure. All right, coming up, we'll visit with uh, Ryan Murphy, Texas women's golf coach. And uh, we do have Inconceivable. I'm with the hour number one, and it'll be Cam and Chad in hour number two here of Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. This is a Friday edition of Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you, Jeff Howe out, but Cameron Parker, who is an outstanding golf authority, joining us here. And speaking of golf, it's time for our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And uh, what that basically means is we're talking about a uh, Texas women's golf team that is going back to the NCAA championship, another Fabulous job turned in by the Texas women. They finished tied for third at the Palm Beach Regional. So they're headed for the NCAA Championships beginning Wednesday at PGA National. They're going to make their seventh straight appearance and 31st overall appearance at the NCAA Championships. Uh, And uh, that will be at the Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so pleased to be joined uh, once again by head coach Ryan Murphy, who joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Murph, I appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm good, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah, you bet. And I know uh, you and the staff are, are really pleased with with what you got out of your group again, and and how they they we we always hear coaches talk about how they want to have their teams playing at their peak right when you get to the postseason or or rising toward that crescendo. Did you get that feeling from your group so coming out of the Big 12 championships and headed into the NCAA regionals? I, well, I, I have that feeling now. <laughs> you know, on the back. <clears throat> we, didn't, we didn't play so well in Dallas at the Big 12 championships, so – that was that was um, <clears throat> a little surprise for me coming, you know, being the highest ranked team and then going there and finishing seventh was obviously not what we envisioned. But it was um, 
you know, the tournament before that, we won the Big 12 match play event in Phoenix. And that, that was the first time in my career where I had a team that had just won a match play event. And we were very much in that mindset where it was, let's see how many birdies we can make. And then, and then I didn't do a very good job of shifting them back to stroke play mentality. You know, when that, when that golf ball goes in the water and stroke play, it counts. We're going to count all of that. now. <laughs> Whereas in match play, you know, it was, you just lose the hole and you, you move to the next one. So it was kind of a combination of things. The big 12 championship was, and as we all know, the game, it, it will have your respect. You know, when, when you, when you think you're on top of it, it will grab you by the collar and it will, it will show you who's boss sometimes. And that's what happened to us in Dallas. So for us to bounce back in Palm Gardens or Palm Beach Gardens and do what we did at PGA National, I thought was phenomenal. That is a really, really hard golf course, especially the back nine that we had to play in the afternoon every day. There's water everywhere, Craig, on that golf course. And when you're coming in and you're just you're trying to get in inside that number, it's, it's nerve-wracking, to be honest. And my team performed really, really well there in Florida. Uh, visiting here with uh, Ryan Murphy, head coach, Texas women's golf, Craig Way and Cameron Parker. And Cam with a question for the coach. Coach, you've had some outstanding freshmen on your team the last few years, going back to Caitlin Papp, Haley Cooper, Sophie Guo, who, who's now a senior. And this year it seems like it's Angela Hio who's been that freshman that's really stepped up for you. It, yeah, I have. I, I, <clears throat> I've been lucky here the past five, six, seven years with some terrific freshmen. Right now, it's Angela, Ha, and, and Cindy Shu, and, and you could throw Emily Odwin in that category as well. All three of those players are, are terrific. But yeah, Angela specifically has had some moments that have been spectacular. You know, and I'm thinking... You know, she finished fourth place at Stanford in her first collegiate event back in the fall, and then she's had more moments like that through the spring. She she's played fantastic in match play for us. She played great um, at Kierland in the Big 12 match play, and then what she did at Palm Beach Gardens as a freshman to to finish sixth—that's phenomenal stuff. And and I would say the same about Cindy. You know, she's had three top tens in, in her career so far, and she's had some really big-time rounds as well in the 60s. So they're both capable, no question, but they're both freshmen. So you got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> I was going to ask you about a sophomore, and only because uh, I've, I've kind of followed her career since she came out of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex because uh, uh, my friend up in Dallas, Rick Renner, knew the, the family really well. That's Beowning Park and, and what she's been able to do for you as well. And, uh, you know, being uh, a, not only an outstanding uh, golfer, but an outstanding student as well in, in the contribution she's made to the team effort. Yeah, it's been fantastic. If you, if you ask Bo how her season's been, she would say it's not what she wanted. And, and there's more. I mean, I, I hope that she's trending in the right direction right now. Um, but she is a tremendous talent. There's no question. It, it just hasn't been the season that she wanted to have. But that's the game. You know, there's, there's ebbs and flows to this game, and you're not always going to be on top of it. You're just – 
you're just not. And, uh, but all in all, she's had a solid season for us, but there's more. And, and, and we're hopeful that she plays her best golf next week in Scottsdale. Coach, we'd be remiss if I didn't mention Bentley Cotton because she played at Westlake, which is right across the street from us and right across the street from you as well. How impressive has Bentley Cotton been over the last few years as she's continued to develop as a player? Really impressive. That that round she played on Wednesday, 70 on the Champions Course, on the Champions course there at PGA National is phenomenal. It, when we needed a big round and the wind was blowing, and for her to go out there and shoot 70, uh, honestly, she's had some terrific rounds for us. I, I would put that maybe as the best round of golf that, that she's played as a, as a Longhorn, just because of all of the circumstances around it. It, it was literally a big time round. And, but that's what, that's her, that she's capable of doing that. And, you know, she's a junior now and she, each year she's had a little more belief in herself. And, uh, you know, at this point, I don't know how she couldn't believe in herself now. She's, she's a really good player, a uh, tremendous ball striker and, and obviously trending in, in a good direction right now. Ryan Murphy, Texas women's golf coach, joining us here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Murph, your, your your program now is going for the seventh straight time to the Nationals. There's only four programs that have been able to pull that off. USC, Stanford, Florida State, uh, the other three, and yours is the it, How much of this is the expectation that the players have of their own, of them uh, themselves when they go into the program and how much of it is a, a year-to-year thing as you approach uh, each tournament and as you get into the postseason about the expectation of getting back to Nationals? I think most of it goes back to the players. You, you better have a good team when you show up to the regional, which fortunately we've had that over the last seven years. And then, you know, as a, as a coach, I've had good mentors, you know, that have talked to me. Coach Fields, no question, has uh, kind of taught me how to, <clears throat> how to handle that tournament specifically and invaluable information, you know, that I've gotten from him through the years. And then, uh, you know, there's been a couple others that I've, I've picked their brains and but it, it mainly goes back to the players, you know. Do you have a good team, and, and are they ready for that moment? And luckily, we've had that. Coach, I want to ask you about one of the best players on the planet right now, Rose Sang out of Stanford. I'm not sure if, if you've seen her too much in person, but how impressive is what she is what she's doing right now? I mean, her last couple of events, she's coming first. I mean, dating back to her last, I think, nine events, she's only had one finish where she didn't win the tournament. Um, can you put in the words what she's doing right now in the game of golf? Yeah, that's that's an LPGA Tour player playing in college right now, mm. honestly. that She's she's phenomenal, and she if you just look at her results, they are mind-blowing. So what she's doing is, in my mind, I would have to go back to, like, what Lydia Ko did when, when she was a teenager, obviously she was doing it in the professional ranks, but it, it's, it's been a while since I've seen a player do what she's doing. It's been complete dominance. So <laughs> yeah, it's been impressive. And we, we got to play with 
Stanford when we went to their tournament. We were paired with them the last round in the final pairing. And Angela Ha, in her first collegiate event, got paired with Rose. And to, to Angela's surprise, when we showed up on that first tee at Stanford, there was a hundred people there to watch Rose. <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought my freshman was going to be super, super nervous, you know? And Angela gets up there, hits a perfect drive, hits a perfect five wood on a, on the green, on the par five, two puts it for birdie. And, and Rose makes bogey on the first hole. And I was like, that's one of the more impressive things I've ever seen from my, from a freshman. <laughs> And then and Angela goes on and shoots 70 in front of this crowd, finishes fourth. Rose ends up winning the tournament. But I was I was really super proud of how Angela handled that moment, playing in front of a crowd, playing with Rose. It was impressive. Uh, Murph, tell everybody about this uh, this Greyhawk uh, Golf Club and the challenges it'll present for uh, your group when you head out there uh, to take part in it next week. Well, it's, I would call it typical Arizona golf. It is a uh, point A to point B golf course. It's uh, fairway is the priority, and then there's the desert. And you obviously don't want to be in the desert. And we know it pretty well. We've, we've obviously been there the past couple of years, and I've got three players that have played it in competition. And, and we, make pra- we made a practice trip out there and played it this spring. So we know it pretty well. It's, um, but that's only half the equation. You know, you still got to execute that, that little thing called execution matters. So knowing that course is really helpful. I think it will benefit us, but it, you know, when it comes right down to it, our players have to execute and, and, and get it done in the moment. He's Ryan Murphy, head coach of the Texas women's golf team, headed back to Nationals for the seventh straight year. They'll be playing next week in Scottsdale, Arizona, at Greyhawk Golf Club. Murph, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck next week coming up at Nationals. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Cameron. Appreciate you guys. You bet. All right, uh, Ryan Murphy there. And uh, what an outstanding season for the 10th-ranked women's golf team. Headed out to Nationals. And um, and like he said, they've got some players who've had some experience on that golf course, so that's going to be uh, important, uh, I think, an important tool that will help them as well. All right, coming up, we do have Inconceivable before we get done at the end of uh, hour number one, and then Cameron will be joined uh, by Chad Hastings in hour number two. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, let me start with a couple of sports update inconceivable. This one's not inconceivable. It certainly was not inconceivable. We thought this would be the case. It is the case. Uh, LHN is televising both games today. So both the 2 o'clock game and the 6.30 regularly scheduled contest tonight. And again, you can hear the 2 o'clock game on 1019 and AM 1260 here, beginning at 145, and the 615 airtime with the 630 first pitch here on the horn on 1049. But they are both being televised by LHN. Softball. How about Texas bouncing back down 6-2, going to the bottom of the six, basically down to four outs to play with. Uh, and they played long ball, get three home runs, and then score in the bottom of the eighth, a walk-off on a wild pitch to win. And then, uh, so they would take on the winner of the game to follow Oklahoma State and Kansas. They got stopped 
due to rain and storms in the Oklahoma City area last night. They picked it up at the top of the hour. Kansas was up 3-1. Oklahoma State put a four spot on the board. Kansas has come back a run in the top of the sixth. They're in the bottom of the sixth. Oklahoma State leads Kansas 5-4. Whoever wins that game will play Texas this afternoon, 4 o'clock. And you can hear that on 105.3 The Bat. So Texas waiting on its opponent in the conference tournament semifinals. All right, now to a couple other things. Oh, by the way, maybe your dad might have uh, texted in Cam and said, when are we going to have Cameron Parker's name in the intro? That alone is inconceivable. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we'll get to to make your dad happy or or, or your mom uh, since it is uh, Mother's Day weekend. By the way, according to the restaurant industry, Mother's Day is the most hated day in the restaurant industry. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Um, uh, According to uh, the restaurant industry and a a large uh, survey done of restaurants across the country, uh, Darren Cardosa wrote in his book, this is the title of the book, quote, the title, The Bitchy Waiter, I'm Really Good at Pretending (laughs) to Care. That's the name of the book. Uh, But... He writes that every server knows that working on Mother's Day is hell. In fact, if I die and go to hell, I completely expect it to be Mother's Day 365 days a year. And what's so bad about it, do you ask? Well, big groups that show up in waves. You've heard this. Most of us are here. Uh, the rest of them are in the park of the car. They'll be in. They're, they're almost here. They're, they're walking in. Yeah, they're walking in. They're right behind us. Uh, food fussy kids, grandmas, splitting the check dramas. And the three coffee cup lingerers, restaurants hate this holiday more than any Mm. other, they say. This year expected to be particularly challenging as high inflation and rising menu prices give some restaurant goers an extra sense of entitlement. Uh, uh, An abstract artist who works as a server in Quincy, Mass., Joe Haley, says the anticipation alone can make you anxious. Um, He said the restaurant gets jam-packed. People calling at the last minute for a reservation. There's other people who made multiple reservations so mom could have her pick. And then they never cancel. People who take out their mother once a year tell you nothing can go wrong, he said. (laughs) So there's some of that. And they said every family has at least one black sheep in the family or an in-law who can't be relied upon to save their lives. It's Mother's Day. Who knew? I mean, I didn't know, but I know it gets... Busy, you know, that sort of thing. I guess Father's Day, you don't go out as much. It's more just like, hey, let's have a beer in the garage yeah, and Dad, watch the baseball yeah, game. Yeah, cook on the grill or whatever. But you, you feel kind of obligated to take mom out for brunch yeah. or something, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, okay. Uh, the Nuggets are on the verge of going to the first ever NBA Finals. They wrapped up the Western Conference semifinal series last night over Phoenix. They're waiting on the winner of the Warriors-Lakers. And one of the guys on the Nuggets roster, you remember him, from when he played at Kansas up through last year, Christian Brown. Yeah. Right? Did you hear what happened to Christian Brown? Was happened last night? Uh, no, not last night. This was, uh, he was speaking on a podcast. Oh, boy. And he was talking about parking in the, not one, not two, but three parking spots owned by the Nuggets owner, Stan Kroenke. Uh, Stan Kroenke. Okay? Um. He said, the three spots I parked in were Mr. Cronkies. Now, why would you park in I parked in his three spots. Not only did I park in his spot, but I parked also in all three of them. So it's 
$5,000 fine in each of those executive spots. So I got $15,000 on my chair in the locker room. So he gets really, really mad. He calls Morgan Montgomery, the team's basketball operations coordinator, and says, I was like, Morgan, 15000 That's not going to work. We're not going to do this. And he said, I did it with more colorful language. like, And I was like, we're not doing this. And she said, what do you mean you're not getting your money? It comes straight out of your check. Oh. <laughs> We've already taken it out of your check. Uh, he's, By the way, he's averaging five points, two and a half rebounds, and an assist per game. Uh, That's he, so dirty, Craig. What? To, to, to have it taken out of the check in out advance? Out of your own player? Yeah, that's the deal. Park He's playing you're not playoff to park. minutes. Hey, you're not supposed to park there. Uh, okay. Um, here's a really cool story. Um, Henry Ford College in Michigan was Dearborn, Michigan. They were doing their uh, commencement ceremony. And the university president uh, accelerated the program and kind of made a change in it. And you're going, why is this? Uh, he was doing it because Kelsey Hudie, they wanted to let her go first. It's not H. It's not at the start of the alphabet. It's not at the end. Why? Not only was she nine months pregnant, she oh. was in labor. And they let her walk across the stage. She said in an interview, I was going to do it no matter what, even if I was all the time I put into it. Walks across stage, gets her diploma, waves to the crowd, takes a picture, goes to the hospital, has the baby. Oh, man. She was in... You might say active labor as a result of that. That's awesome stuff. Good yeah. for her, though. Yeah. Got her got her college diploma, and, and that was a good thing. Okay. And so, finally, we uh, we get to the uh, Florida stories. You got a Florida man and a Florida creature. About time. First of all, you got a Florida man arrested. Uh, you know, Florida man does lots of bad things, as we know. Uh, this is uh, an alleged pickpocketing scheme according to the Carroll County District Court records 56 year old Jose Gregorio Diaz Nunez of Hallandale Florida was booked into the Carroll County Jail on one count of second degree theft a class D felony additional charges are pending he and an unidentified male were working together uh, a week ago to distract a female shopper from Walmart while the other stole her wallet from the purse uh, the pair then used the victim's stolen credit card to purchase more than $1,500 worth of items from Walmart, Walgreens, and BP Country Store. Uh, but they got him, and uh, hopefully they uh, got her uh, her items back, or at least got her money refunded to her. And then finally, uh, there, was, uh, there were uh, police and... Uh, city officials really concerned in Oviedo, Florida, and about something that was going on in a storm drain. So rather than send a person down in the storm drain, they put no. They put a camera-equipped robot. This is where we need Jeff for this. When he talks about no. the robot board. They sent a robot down this pipe to investigate, and it starts going. They figured it out. Six-foot alligator. Yeah. Six-foot alligator. And it came up to the robot, then it got scared and turned off, and the robot started following it. And it's following it for over 350 feet down this pipe, and then the robot got stuck. Oh. 
<laughs> and the alligator kept wandering and wandering and wandered off. So there it is. Even if you're a robot, don't mess with alligators in Florida because you might wind up getting stuck there. All right, there's uh, the uh, there is our uh, inconceivable for a Friday coming up. Cameron Parker will be joined by Chad Hastings, and uh, Cam's going to have the Flex Thirty update with uh, an extended look at those high school playoffs because you had no less than four walk-offs last night in respective game ones, including the the contest he called. There'll be uh, Longhorn baseball to discuss. Again, the doubleheader coming up today. Texas softball this afternoon uh, and a lot more to get to. So stay with us. It'll be hour number two of Life the Tower coming up. We'll be on the air at 145 on 101.9 FM and AM 1260. That's coming up at 145. First pitch at 2 o'clock. Game two, regularly scheduled contest, 6.15 airtime, 6.30 first pitch, Texas, San Jose State. But hour number two of Light the Towers coming up. Cam to be joined by Chad here on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.